When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, today's episode of Star Wars Theory has two videos in one. This gives you guys an extra app that you've maybe not seen before, and it really helps out the channel's watch time. Enjoy. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode. One thing the lockdown has provided is plenty of time to spend at home. In today's video, we're going to go back to the Mace Windu novel Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. The book takes place shortly after the Battle of Genosis from Attack of the Clones. The bloodshed of that arena battle, which launched the Clone Wars, still haunts Mace Windu. His unique ability in the Force, Shatterpoint, has revealed a moment during the fighting where he has a chance to end the war before it began if he hadn't killed Jango Fett. In my dreams, I always do it right. In my dreams, I'm on the arena balcony. Genosis, orange glare slices shadow from my eyes. Below on the sand, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Senator Padme Amidala. On the rough-shaped stone within reach of my arm, Newt Gunray, within reach of my blade, Jango Fett. And Master Dooku, no, Master no more. Count Dooku. I may never get used to calling him that, even in my dreams. Jango Fett bristles with weapons, an instinctive killer, the deadliest man in the galaxy. Jango can kill me in less than a second, I know it, even if I had never seen Kenobi's report from Kamino. I can feel the violence Jango radiates, in the Force, a pulsar of death. But I do it right. My blade doesn't light the underside of Fett's square jaw. I don't waste time with words, I don't hesitate. I believe. In my dreams, the purple flare of my blade sizzles the gray hairs of Dooku's beard, and in the critical semi-second that takes Jango Fett to aim and fire, I twitch that blade and take Dooku with me into death and save the galaxy from civil war. I could have done it, because I knew I could feel it. In the swirl of the force around me, I could feel the connections Dooku had forged among Jango and the Trade Federation. The Genosians, the whole Separatist movement, connections of greed and fear, of deception and bald intimidation. I did not know what they were. I did not know how Dooku had forged them, or why. But I felt their power. The power of what I now know is a web of treason he had woven to catch the galaxy. I could feel that without him to maintain its weave, to repair its flaws and double its thinning strands, the web would rot, would shrivel and decay until a mere breath would shred it and scatter its strings into the infinite stellar winds. Dooku was the Shatterpoint. I knew it. That is my gift. Imagine a Karuska gem, a mineral whose interlocking crystalline structure makes it harder than durasteel. You can strike one with a five kilo hammer and do no more than dent the hammer's face. Yet the same crystalline structure that gives the Karuska strength also gives it Shatterpoints, spots where a precise application of carefully measured force no more than a gentle tap will break it into pieces. But to find these shatter points, to use them to shape the Corsa gem into beauty and utility, requires years of study, an intimate understanding of crystal structure, and rigorous practice to train the hand in the perfect combination of strength and precision to produce the desired cut. Unless you have a talent like mine, I can see shatter points. The sense is not sight, but see is the closest word BASIC has for it. It is a perception, 
a feel of how what I look upon fits into the Force, and how the Force binds it to itself and to everything else. I was six or seven standard years old, well into my training in the Jedi Temple, before I realized that other students, full-grown Jedi Knights, even wise masters, could sense such connections only with difficulty and only with concentration and practice. The Force shows me strengths and weaknesses, hidden flaws and unexpected uses. It shows me vectors of stress that squeeze or stretch, torque or shear. It shows me how patterns of these vectors intersect to form the matrix of reality. Put simply, when I look at you through the Force, I can see where you break. I looked at Jango Fett on the sand in the Genosian arena, a perfect combination of weapons, skills, and the will to use them. An interlocking crystal of killer, the force hinted a shatter point, and I left a headless corpse on the sand. The deadliest man in the galaxy, now just dead. Situations have shatter points, like gems, but those of situations are fluid, ephemeral, appearing for a bare instant, vanishing again to leave no trace of their existence. They are always a function of timing. There is no such thing as a second chance. If, when, I next encounter Dooku, he will be the war's shatter point no longer. I can't stop this war with a single death. But on that day in the Genosian arena, I could have. So what do you think? Was Mace right? Had he sacrificed himself and taken Dooku with him, would the Separatist alliance still have fallen apart? Couldn't Sidious pluck another charismatic Separatist politician and simply put him in charge? Or was there no one else like Dooku? Was it only the Count's connections, wealth, history, leadership, and powers that could hold the whole rebellious organization together in those initial days of the Clone Wars? It's kind of hard to believe that the Sith's thousand-year plan came down to relying on one man. At any key moment, not getting himself killed, that was really the trick of the trade there. Did Sidious really have no backup to Dooku? It wouldn't have been Grievous, as he was a butcher, not a unifying leader. Then again, maybe it's not so hard to buy, as the Sith's ultimate moment did come down to a single being, Anakin Skywalker, making a fateful choice. It's definitely an interesting Star Wars theory. Another one is, what if the Clone Wars failed to happen? What would Sidious have done? How would it have affected Anakin and the prophecy? It's definitely something to think about. Now, in the book, it also goes on to say how much Mace Windu respected Dooku, and that he couldn't bring himself to actually kill him, that he always saw him as a friend. Now, of course, Dooku was older than Mace, and in my opinion, a much better swordsman, but that's a different video for a different time. Dooku is one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars, and I implore you all to go check out more information, whether lore or canon, about him. If you want to find out more about canon Dooku, I've made tons of videos on him, but if you want to find it on yourself, you can read the book Dooku Jedi Lost, or rather, the audiobook is really, really nice to listen to. Now that you've watched this video about Mace blaming himself for the Clone Wars, enjoy this next video about Yoda and Obi-Wan realizing why Dooku let Anakin live. Today we're going to cover another excerpt from the Labyrinth of Evil, pages 61 to 62, chapter 11. Even as a kid, I remember when I first saw Attack of the Clones. Seeing Dooku was really a revelation for me. It allowed me to see so many other dark side users than the typical Darth Vader and Darth Maul prior to that episode. You got to see a very elegant and nobleman who was once actually a Jedi, the master of Qui-Gon Jinn. I was so intrigued, I wanted to know more about Count Dooku. Why did he leave the Order? How could he betray Master Yoda, who was his mentor? Now, of course, fast forward 20 or so years later, and we get our answers in canon. But one of the things that stuck out to me the most was why did he reveal to Obi-Wan that the Sith were around and their grand plan? 
even that a Dark Lord is controlling the Senate. Now, luckily, for the Sith at least, the Jedi dismayed Dooku and thought he was lying. But what if they hadn't? Was this a plea for help from Dooku? Was this the last part of him that was still in the light? Or just another part of Sidious's elaborate machination and schemes? Today, I'll give you Obi-Wan's and Yoda's thoughts on why Dooku told them. I'm gonna go over another excerpt from James Luceno's great book, which is now Legends, Labyrinth of Evil. The story takes place just prior to Episode 3, where, thanks to having discovered Newt Gunray's Mechno chair that he uses to talk to Sidious with, the Jedi realizes that Dooku's Sith Master actually does exist, and that Dooku might have told the truth back on Genosis. Now, before I begin reading, there will be mention of the Sith on Naboo who Obi-Wan killed. They obviously mean Darth Maul. Now, I just want to let you know that he is considered dead at this point, as this book was written far before the Clone Wars, meaning before they resurrected... Darth Maul. So let's begin. The name Sidious had come up only once since the war began on Genosis, when Dooku had told an imprisoned Obi-Wan that a Sith Lord by that name had hundreds of Republic Senators under his influence. At the time, Obi-Wan assumed that Dooku was lying in order to persuade Obi-Wan that he was still aligned with the Jedi, although attempting to thwart the powers of the dark side by his own methods. And yet, even after Dooku had revealed himself to be Sith trained, Yoda and others on the council continued to believe that he had been lying about Sidious. Two council members were convinced that Dooku was the Dark Lord, having somehow tutored himself by Sith Holocron, perhaps, in the use of dark side powers. Now that Sidious appeared to be real, Obi-Wan didn't know what to think. A hunt for Dooku's Sith allies had been going on almost since the start of the war. Dooku was known to have trained Jedi in the Dark Arts. Jedi Knights, who had lost faith in the ideals of the Republic. Padawans, fascinated by the power of the dark side. Misinformed novices such as Asajj Ventress, who had been mentored by a Jedi. But the question remained, who, if anyone, had been Dooku's teacher? Thirteen years earlier, when Obi-Wan had fought and killed a Sith on Naboo, had he killed a master or an apprentice? The question was rooted in the belief that the Sith, having essentially defeated themselves a millennium earlier, had learned that an army of Sith could never stand and that there should be only two at any given time, lest a pair of apprentices conspire to combine their strengths to eliminate a master. More a doctrine than a rule, but a doctrine that had managed to keep the Sith Order alive, if well concealed, for going on a thousand years. But the horned and tattooed Sith whom Obi-Wan killed could not have trained Dooku, because Dooku had still been a member of the Jedi Order then. As clouded as the dark side made some things, there was simply no way Dooku had been living a double life within the walls of the temple itself. Master Yoda, Obi-Wan said, is it possible that Dooku wasn't lying about the Senate being under control of Sidious? Yoda gave his head a quick shake while they walked. Looked hard at the Senate we did, and risked much we did by doing so, questioning in secret those we serve, but no evidence we found. He glanced up at Obi-Wan. If in control of the Senate Sidious was, would not defeated the Republic already be? Would not to the Confederacy the core and inner rim belong? Yoda paused for a moment, then added, Perhaps at Geonosis, an accident it was that Dooku revealed himself. Had he not, searched we would have for Sidious, leaving Dooku to escalate his war. What think you, Obi-Wan? Hmm? Obi-Wan folded his arms. I've thought long and hard about that day, Master, and I believe Dooku couldn't help revealing himself, even though he may have regretted it. When he was fleeing for his ship, it was almost as if he allowed himself to be seen. Almost as if he was attempting to draw us into an engagement. 
My first thought was that he was trying to ensure the safe escape of Gunray and the other Separatist leaders, but my instincts tell me that he wanted desperately to demonstrate how powerful he had become. I think he was genuinely surprised to see you turn up, but instead of killing Anakin or me, he deliberately left us alive to send a message to the Jedi. Right you are, Obi-Wan. Pride undid him, forced him, it did, to show us his true face. Could he have been trained by this... Sidious. Stands to reason, it does. Accepted by Sidious, he was. Following the death of the one you killed. So do you guys agree with Yoda that Dooku revealed the truth by accident? Or was it pride? What about my earlier assertions? That it could be a spark of good in him? A spark of light? Or just part of Sidious's plan? And if so, what was that plan? Maybe he wanted to enlighten the whole council by revealing to them that the Sith Lords really do exist and that he brought them to light and to maybe change their ways as he believed that they had lost their ideology of the Force. The same as Qui-Gon who felt that the Jedi didn't really follow the Force anymore, merely just politics. I guess we'll never know. However, there was that observation Obi-Wan made about the Rule of Two. He said it was more a doctrine than a rule. So what do we make of this? I always thought it was strange that there were other Darksiders being trained by the Sith when there should only be two. But if it's a principle that can be bent, then that explains why Dark Acolytes like Asajj Ventress or later in the new canon, the Inquisitorious, are allowed to exist, such as when Maul was being trained by Palpatine and Plagueis was still alive. So how is all of this different really than allowing multiple apprentices? Are some just merely tools and assassins? But if they're trained in the ways of the Sith, then doesn't that really bend or break the rule? Is it maybe a power level thing? Do the Sith purposely seek weaker, medium-powered force sensitives? It doesn't really sound like something a Sith would do, as they're always striving for more strength and power. Assange Ventress herself eventually grew strong enough in the Force for Darth Sidious to consider her a threat. So, I guess my ultimate question is, is the Rule of Two even real? Was it ever followed authentically? Think on this. We must. Hope you enjoyed this video. Let me know your comments about all of this down below. Have an awesome rest of your day, and until the next episode, remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Now, fulfill your destiny.